Hey friends, welcome to the Thrive Like a Parent podcast. You know those parents who look like they've got it all together? Yep, that's not me. I'm Dr. Brooke Weinstein, mom, widow, and neuroscience expert on all things sensory and emotional regulation. Yep, that's right. I'm here to get down and dirty on the truth behind parenting, education, burnout, neuroscience, widowhood, and the shit show we call life. So come join me for conversations with thought leaders, doctors, and women just like you who aren't afraid to speak the truth and help you find that silver lining between the to-do lists, shit shows, and chaos of parenthood. If you are craving the answers to finally find that sweet spot between chaos and calm, pull up a seat and listen in as I take you from burnt out and surviving to finally thriving. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Thrive Like a Parent podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about sibling rivalry, and I have a feeling this is going to be a lot of you are going to listen to this, and so I better make sure it's good, right? <laughs> no, but for real, this is a topic that has to be discussed, and I find that most have literally no idea what to do, how to do this, where to start, and all the different things. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about why it happens if we can ever truly stop it, when to intervene, how to intervene, what to do, and fingers crossed, it'll get better within your own home. That's the plan. Yeah. Sibling rivalry usually happens because there's either something they want that the other has, or someone wants to basically invoke their power or maybe ego or want to feel bigger or brighter or smarter or better or this or that, or maybe they want more connection with you, or maybe they're struggling a little bit more. So they act out more. Like there's so many different ways, right? But, or reasons, but at the end of the day, I don't find that it really matters much why, but like, can we, can uh, I, I, Brooke, I don't give two shits. Like, can we, can we just like nip this in the bud? Cause it's driving me up the wall. And that's the whole purpose of why we're even talking about this, right? Like I have a feeling that this will be a hot topic because you don't want to listen to it anymore, right? Like it's more nagging. It's more whining. It's more arguing. It's more like frustration on your end. And that is why it is such a hot topic because it affects your own life and not in a positive way, right? So what most parents don't realize is that, please don't give me a lot of hate for this, but raising children is like, training a dog. Okay. And I don't mean that in like a derogatory way of children. It's not that it's just right. Consistency, structure, stability, control, consistency, like all of that is so important within a child's life. And when I tell you over and over, like, if you're going to show up to the party, do it. If not, screw it. Yeah. Like I need you to be consistent because the brain thrives on that consistency. So understanding our children in terms of, let me give you an example of some puppies now, right? Like that is why I'm saying that children are basically, it's like training a dog, okay? The consistency side of it. So think of it this way. When you go to a dog park, you release them into the dog park, they're off their leash and those dogs are having a blast, but that's not without some bark, some nip, some jump on top of each other, some smell each other, some run in circles around each other. Some are like, leave me the effort alone. They're finding their space in this world. They're finding who's the alpha, who's this, who's that. I got to tell you, 
I don't know if you've ever seen in my videos, any of my pups, but I've got two. They're literally sitting behind me right this minute and they're geriatric. So Cooper, my younger one, he pees all over the place. Even if I let him out, it's, it's a, it's a chronic issue at this point. And no, I'm not doing doggy diapers. He's not that bad, but like Cooper lays in his, like I'm looking at him right now. Cooper lays. He, I bought him a little cat bed cause he loves circular beds. I bought him one of those and he literally lays in it and he sleeps all day long. I'm like tough life, huh? Like tough life. He's a tiny itty bitty dog and he's the cutest thing ever. Cooper came first, but he's eight pounds. Okay. Jacques. Okay. We call him Jacomo. We got him as a rescue from our own vet in New Orleans for Jonathan's 30th birthday. And we took Jacques home for a trial because it was my husband's birthday. Yeah. And I was like, fine, we try it. We'll, we'll try it. Fine. I literally was like, we're cheating on Cooper. He doesn't understand we're cheating on him. Like, this is so wrong. This is so bad. Jacques stayed because he's a phenomenal dog. And my mom and dad also always had a small and a big. And so it, I don't know, it just kind of fit. We have a small and a big now. They're both still here and both love me very much. But like I said, Cooper was first and he is the itty bitty one. But I am, let me tell you, any dog who comes through these doors, Cooper puts you in your place. Like he'll, he'll, he'll like stare you down. Any stare contest, he's going to win. Don't mess with me. Cooper is the prince. He is the king. He is the big kahuna and he has let it be known. Like mm -mm, home dog, like this is my hood and you're just a visitor. Like Jacques is just a visitor. No joke. Literally Cooper will look at Jacques. Jacques will be on his large bed in my bedroom. There's two beds, one for Cooper and one for Jacques. And it's the right size for each of them. Cooper will stand. Jacques laying on his bed. Cooper will stand. Hello. He's eight pounds. So Cooper's maybe like four inches off the ground. Like he's not tall. Cooper will look at Jacques while Jacques is laying on the bed. He'll growl and give him one bark and Jacques will be like, okay. And his like poor geriatric legs shuffling up to stand up and like, he'll, 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 he'll go on the damn floor. And Cooper's like, ha, ah, and like lay in the damn bed, like lay in the big bed. Nope. And Jacques will do it every time because they have learned their order. They've learned their pecking order. And that is legit what sibling rivalry is after that whole word vomit about dogs. Like that is what sibling rivalry is between children. They are finding their place. Okay. And again, why is this so important? Why do I feel that this is going to be a hot topic with this podcast or this particular one is because I know it drives you nuts. Like imagine if your dogs were finding their pecking order and they were barking all day long to be like, no, I'm the alpha. No, 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 it's me. 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 Right? Like it would drive you nuts. You are already dysregulated. You are already on overload. You are already spent from whatever you did during the day and trying to manage each individual child. Now let's throw in the mix that they're fighting over a toy. This is my, my least favorite thing in the world. Let's say Eli is playing with some ridiculous toy that probably should be thrown out anyway. All of a sudden he puts it down to come ask me a question or grab a snack or this or that. Charlie runs in to get it. And then Eli's like crying and it's, well, technically Eli was done with it, right? Like technically he was done. Who gets it now? But then Charlie swooped in. So is that right? You could literally have a million different examples of sibling rivalry and what this looks like. My best friend was in town last March and she was explaining to me some of the sibling rivalry between her three boys that she has 
And she's like, Brooke, it just like gets me. It just drives me nuts. And I said, well, what are you doing in those moments? And she's like, it's constant. Like I'll hear them bickering over the toothpaste and oh, he's elbowing me and I'm just trying to brush my teeth and I need like the toothpaste and you know, all the things. And she's like, and then I have to rush up there. And then I was like, nope, there's your, there it is right there. I know you've heard this in my other podcast before. You, my dear, or sir, you are not here to fix. That is not our purpose with our children. It becomes that because of the codependency that is created when our children are first born. Because if we didn't change our diaper, feed them all the different things, they would not survive. Like they wouldn't make it. So the codependency happens right away. Yeah. But our work is to release that codependency. You do not have to go up there and duke it out with the kids over toothpaste, elbowing, and brushing our teeth. Like you don't. Stay downstairs. Like keep packing those lunch boxes. Like you got this. Like mm-mm, let the dogs play kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest piece, if anything, right? I'm going to talk through more with you, but like if you take anything away from this today, it's that you don't always have to run to stop it. And I find that parents run to stop the bickering or the sibling rivalry because it's driving the parent crazy. It's more sound. It's more stimuli. It's more frustration. It's revving your own engine. You feel like literally a volcano is about to erupt within your own body. You're there. Yeah. And so you want it to stop. And that is why you go to the thing. That is why you try to handle sibling rivalry. That is why you get involved. Now, I always use this example in a lot of my podcasts, but I don't have that luxury. I can't be every place at once. I can't always do the thing. I can't always handle the stealing of the toy. Like, I, I don't, I mean, I'm blunt here. Like, I don't have it in me. Like, mm-mm. Like, nope. Like, that's, that's, that's minor. Like, figuring out that toy will probably be a, be a goodwill next week anyway. So, like or broken, or chewed on, or something, right, or smushed, yeah, like, or lost, like, I'm not, no, Mm-mm. I gotta cook you guys dinner, nope, figure it out, love ya, no thanks, right, skip, pass, pass, yeah, so thanks, Dr. B, now you've told me that I can let, that basically my children are dogs, you've told me that I should train my children like dogs, my children should I should parent my children like dogs. They need to find a pecking order and I need to say F you to any of the sibling rivalry and never answer to it or support it or help it. Or now I'm fixing it. And so I'll just never do anything. Well, not so much. When do we intervene? Like when do we intervene and what does that look like? Number one tip is intervene when things get physical. That is like a uh uh-uh home dog. No. Name calling, like bad name calling. Nope. We're going to intervene. Maybe there's tears. Maybe that's when we intervene. You can make that list too of like, when do I intervene and when do I not? The toothpaste debacle with the elbowing of I don't have enough room for the sink. That's that's just some, you know, elbow snuggles. Like I, I don't really know what to tell you on that one. Skip. Pass. Yeah. Another piece of advice. If you got boys, they're, they're going to do all kinds of craziness in that bathroom. Just stay out of there. I don't go in my kid's bathroom. I have very much decided that bathroom is off limits for me. And whatever it looks like at the age of 18, I will finish it and redo it or I will get a new toilet or whatever. But until then, like, peace out. Like, I'm, I'm, nope, mm-mm, no. That's just a side note. Anyway, so when do we intervene, right? When they are very much struggling, when they're being physical, when there's tears, when 
and I'm talking big tears. Like there's something that's truly, truly happened. Like you hear a smack and a cry, like something like that. Yeah. If the elbow dancing with the toothpaste and the toothbrushes get getting them and they're, they're whining, right. Or they're, they're having emotions about it. It doesn't mean that you need to go fix it. Yeah. So when you do decide to go step in and support your littles through some sibling rivalry, how should that look? Well, I just told you we're not here to fix. We're only here to support. So that's exactly what I'm going to have you do in terms of sibling rivalry. So even if you went up there, even if you did go handle the elbow nudging, like you're still not going to fix it and be like, Charlie, this is your sink. Eli, that's your sink. Stay on your side. Like we're not going to fix the situation because in true life, real life, meaning like outside of the walls of our home, we're not going to be there to fix things for our children. I know, I know, I know, like I get it, trust me. Like there are Achilles heel who will always fix. We've got to practice somewhere, right? Like we've got to try this on somewhere. Yeah, we've got to release some of this so that they can figure it out themselves, yeah? Now, when I do step in, I'm going to give you an example of how it looks, okay? So I say, okay, come on. Let's say it's a toy or I don't know, like take whatever it is, like no one really gets it at that point. So all right, at that point, it's probably going to Goodwill. Um, we all we all sit, right? We're triangle, just three of us. So it's like, okay, Charlie, how do you feel? Tell me what happened. He word vomits. He tells me all the different things. I nod and listen. Nod and listen actively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Eye contact. Yep, I'm usually sitting on the floor with them so that we all are at the same eye level and I am showing that I'm actively listening and that I care. And I'm listening and I'm listening. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. And then if he's just sharing what happened, then I'll ask the question. If he hasn't already shared how he feels, I'll say, and how did that make you feel? And he'll say sad and angry and frustrated or this or that, whatever it is. Thank you so much for sharing. I validate. It is more than okay to feel that way. Period. The end. Then I look at Eli and I say, hey, Eli, what happened? Well, Eli is my younger one. And so he's my baby. So he, well, he didn't, right? Like cute tears. That's totally fine. Active listening. I stay silent. I do not expend any more energy. Okay. Okay, check out that post that I said it should be like parenting should be like air traffic control. Sit your booty down and direct traffic. Yeah, I want less. Less is more. Too many words, too much chaos. Less is more. Yeah, so just listen actively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. And how did that make you feel? Well, it made me feel really sad. Thank you so much for sharing, Eli. It is more than okay to feel that way. More than okay. Now I turn back to Charlie. Hey, Charlie, what do you need? Well, I need him to give me the toy back. Mm, Thank you so much for sharing. Hey, Eli, what do you need? I need a hug. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. Hey, Eli, do you think you could give Charlie the toy back? No. Hey, Eli, or hey, Charlie, you think you could give Eli a hug? All right. Oh, wow. Wow. Great job, Charlie. Love that. Hug, peace, love, all the things. Yeah. Now that's not where I end it. And sometimes it doesn't end like that where Charlie's like, okay, I'll give him a hug. Like it doesn't, right? Sometimes it's, well, I need a hug. Well, I don't want to give you one. Okay. Well, Eli, I'm happy to give you one if you would like one. No. Okay. Well, someone offered. So there you go. 
and I'm not really fixing it. I'm just kind of letting them air it out, like air out their word vomit and dirty laundry, if you will, of just like however they feel, right? I'm sure you've heard, even if you've ever been to therapy for yourself, like your story matters in terms of how you perceived what happened. So for Eli, that is his truest story. For Charlie, that is his truest story. And I'm not going to try and tell them one is right or wrong because that's going to just bash their sense of confidence or self-worth or feel like I chose sides and like, I'm, I can't do that. It'll cost more, right? So after they share all of that, I look at them both and I say, hey guys, look around you. Who do you see? And they'll say, because we've done this many times, they'll say, just the three of us. I said, mm-hmm. I say, it's just the three of us. So we have to be a team. We have to be a strong team, love each other and figure this out and do it together because the three of us are the most important people to each other in the entire world. And they're like, okay, mommy. And so that's just some reminders of we're a pact, we're a unit. We've got this and we can have hard moments, but we love each other and we're here for all of it. Yeah. And that kind of concludes it. We give hugs and we move on. And if you can see, I never said, Eli, give Charlie the toy back. Charlie, give Eli a hug. Like, I didn't do that. I didn't say enough, like no more. Like, like I didn't, I, I didn't do any of that. I just basically held space. And I was like, okay, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Right. Listen to the questions that I gave you as examples, write those down, listen to this again, if you need to, but like, let them word vomit. How did that make you feel? Thank you for sharing. Like, listen to all of that again. That's good, juicy stuff. Yeah. But I didn't fix it. I did not fix it. Now, if there is physical harm done and there needs to be a conversation individually with one of them, I'm going to have it. Yeah. If there needs to even be a natural consequence based on what is going on, I may have to do that if it's physical or if it's something that's been going on and on and on, like all the different circumstances. But you can try to have just an open dialogue about what happened, let everyone feel seen and heard and just simply move on and not have a conclusion or fix it. Yeah. I'll give you another example. I got the kids these little electric dirt bikes for Hanukkah. One of them was messed up. I don't know. Like I didn't put their names on them, but they're the same color and the same size and everything. And so they were arguing, well, that one's mine, but this one's it. And I was like, okay, all right. And I let them share. We talked about it through. And I just said, until you guys work this out, I don't, I don't want to talk about the dirt bikes anymore. I've heard about them. It, like it's, I've, I've heard it. Thank you for sharing, but you guys need to figure this out. Cause they wanted me to like pick whose was whose. And like one of them had a little like rip in, in the handlebar. And I was like, mm -mm. like y'all, y'all talk this through, like figure it out and let me know. And until then they weren't allowed to use their dirt bikes. <laughs> So they were forced to figure it out, the two of them, and come together. Now, another rule in my house, and I know that this may be different for different families, depending how old your siblings are apart from each other, your kiddos, uh, as well as boy versus girl or twin situation or a lot older versus younger, but for me, my children, like there's no option. They have to be friends. They have to be best friends. <laughs> like there's no option here. We're three standing. Like that's it. We've only got three left. So like 
There is no option. You have to, have to, have to love each other and you have to be best friends and you need to recognize that you're going to need each other one day because mom won't always be here. So I know that some families, and I do this separate too, like my kids have playdates on their own with their individual age group, but I have always tried to have them play together as much as possible and know that they have to respect each other and that they have to play together. My, I love you, Lauren. My sister, <laughs> she, it, I mean, it was regular sibling rivalry stuff. I was the younger kid who annoyed her because I wanted to play with her cool friends and and her because Lauren was cool and older. And she was like, mm, no, like, I don't want to play with you. And I would feel so sad. And I literally asked my mom this the other week. I was like, how did you handle that? What, what happened? And my mom was like, oh, I don't really remember. And I was like, I know me neither, but I do remember feeling left out a lot. And my mom can literally pinpoint no joke. She can pinpoint when something like shifted in my sister and all of a sudden we became best friends. And like, from then on, like we were cool. It was fine. It was on my parents, Lauren and I were very fortunate. My parents decided to, as a couple, they said, instead of saving to one day travel, just the two of them, they decided that they wanted to do their traveling with my sister and I so that we could do it as a family. And hands down, it was the best times and the best memories within my entire childhood of traveling with my parents. And I was the youngest. I'm sure you already know that I'm goofy and performative and all the different things. And so I was like the comic relief. Like we would get hangry trying to find a restaurant and my dad would be wanting to see, well, just one more block. Let's go see what else there is. And we're like, I don't care if we eat breadsticks. Like we're starving. Like we can't speak English. We don't understand what the menu has. Like it's all a game. Like it's all, we don't know what we're getting anyway. Like let's just eat. Like we don't care. And I would come in with the dancing and the goofiness. And um, when we were in Thailand, my features looked so incredibly different because I, I had lighter hair and it's gotten darker as I've gotten older, but I had lighter eyes and my mom, dad, and sister all have darker hair, darker eyes. And they would all just look at me because I looked different. And they were just curious. And I was like, they're looking at me again. Like everyone's looking at me. And I was young and I was goofing off. So I'd like pick, pick my armpit or like, or like pretend like I was pulling wedgies or like digging in my butt. My mom said there was this moment on one of our trips. Like, I don't remember which trip it was, but I was goofing off and having so much fun. And my sister was just, she's kind of funny. Like she's kind of cool. And my mom said ever since that, that sibling rivalry went away. And my children, I see it day in and day out that they have these moments. No, but you're my best friend or like, but I love you, Charlie, or like, um, I'll do anything for you or like taking care of each other and, and supporting each other and teaching each other. And I mean, it may be default because they've had to, right? I do not, I do not have Charlie step up as like the man of the house just because Jonathan's gone and he very much knows that. But I have kind of made it a non-negotiable within my home that you guys got to figure it out and you got to figure it out because you have to be best friends and I'm forcing that on you. <laughs> ah, but it's true and it's working. Like it's working. Like they understand this is a boundary. Like we love each other. We take care of each other. We are, we are all we have in this world and I don't accept anything less from the two of them. And so I, I, would say that I very much am the alpha, right? In the home, right? In, in the dark 
dog park example, right? Like I'm the leader here. Yeah. But like, I just let them know how it's going to be and help them understand how special their relationship is and help them understand why they need each other. And when they do have each other's back, I point it out and I say, wow, like, thank you so much. Wow. Look what he did for you. Oh, wow. Another example. We were at the park downtown yesterday. Charlie got this it looks like a pug that you paint and he got it as a party favor to a party he went to. Charlie decided to take it to the park and paint it. And Charlie decided to share the painting extravaganza and let them paint different parts of this puppy. So, and then they each signed their little initials in the certain places where they painted and the whole puppy's painted. And I gave Charlie so much praise for that because he shared, like he shared an activity with his brother and that's not something that is just a, uh, next, like that's something we need to foster within our children and allow them to see that it's okay to have each other's back. It's okay to support each other. It's okay to love each other. Heck, it is okay to fight, right? Like it is okay to have sibling rivalry. Again, you don't always need to fix it, but think about how hard it is to live with a partner 24-7. Think about how hard it is to live with your kids 24-7. Like it is hard to live with people, okay? Like sometimes we want our space. And so they're bound to argue and, and, and have disagreements, right? My kiddos did have a play date the other day where they went to their respective friends from their class and when we came back together, all three of us, like it was a beautiful, like I, it was a beautiful coming back together because we had some space from each other and they were doing their own thing and they were happy as can be. And then when they came back together, they shared all that happened. Yeah. So the biggest, biggest piece that I want to give you to take away with, yeah, today is decide when to intervene and when not to. And it doesn't have to be every time. And when you are getting triggered by their sibling rivalry, ask yourself, how do I feel right now? And decide in that moment, is this something I want to take on? Or am I going to let this ride and see what happens? See if they can figure it out. Give them 10 seconds. Yeah. Like give them a minute, like give them two if it turns into a, a, a boxing match, like you got this, like head on in, right? But ch that's a moment where you can check in with yourself first to see if you are running to the toothpaste elbowing debacle because you are struggling with the chaos in the home and, and the non-silence and and like the bickering and it's driving you up the wall because you want it to stop. So you go up there to get it to stop and you're so frustrated. Like, nope, mm -mm. maybe you skip it. Maybe you give it a few more minutes to see if it kind of like pans itself out. Yeah, like slow down, give yourself a moment to see what's going on before you intervene because that is a moment where you can attempt to regulate yourself. Because if you do need to go in, if you get of it 10 more seconds or two minutes and then they're punching each other and you do need to go in, the odds of you being more understanding and being able to do the example that I gave you of talking and communicating and reconnecting and all the different things, it's going to be that much higher because you have first taken care of yourself. 
Imagine that. You take care of yourself first before everyone else. I know it's magic, right? It's magical. It's like, ah, nope, I'm going to go do my tea now. Like it is, it can be. Yeah. I'm not saying to ignore your children. I'm saying to give it a minute. Yeah. Take care of yourself in that moment. Check in, check in. Do I need to run into the fire? Is anyone hurt? Can I let this lie? Yeah. They may have gotten into the routine of like, mom, mom, dad, dad, hey, dad. Like, like maybe just don't even, don't even give it the time of day. If you can hear what's going on and they're all alive and safe and well, and no one's being hurt, just let it lie for a second and see what happens. You are helping them build resiliency within this. You're helping them build an awareness and understanding that they can figure this out on their own. They are strong enough and brave enough and capable enough to figure this out and communicate. And when they're not, that's when you step on in. Yeah. So the next time that you find that your kiddos are bickering, and it could totally even be in the car while you're listening to this right now, like you're probably trying to tell them to be quiet so you can finish this, right? As they're like stomping and kicking each other in the back. Check in with you. How are you feeling? Do I need to intervene? Is this something I want to do or intervene with? Is this necessary? How do I feel? Am I taking care of myself in this moment? Like, what do I need? Yeah. Like all the things that is such a perfect place to do this and try it on for yourself before stepping into the line of fire. Yeah. See, that wasn't so bad. I hope that you're just like, relax your shoulders and you're like, Oh, all right, cool. I'm like, well, check that off the list. Like I hope because I promise you, if you approach it that way and we don't build upon the chaos, and instead, we kind of let the chaos ride. It may just decrease the heck out of it. Imagine that, right? I hope this was helpful. I hope that you've gotten some tools. And again, listen to this again. If you're like, oh, I'm going to try that next time. Like, listen to this again so that you can hear what I had said in that example. Because that's exactly what I do in my home. That's exactly what I teach my clients. That's how we handle sibling rivalry. Also, no pinching. That is like a heck no. My dad was so big on that, like hates pinching. I would totally intervene for that. But anyway, until next time, XOXO, Dr. B.